Peptides, HD <laughs> catheter. Sorry. What the hell's going on <laughs> over there? I just That's noticed that the speakers on my phone are really dirty. That's the one for the app. Now's the time to do it. Welcome to Unimed's Innovation Overground, where we dig into some of those academic discoveries and innovations that we often hear about but never seem to touch our lives. And we want to dig into some of that and maybe even answer why that is and, and what it takes to get them to become actual things that live on a shelf. Thank you for joining us. We're sponsored by Unimed, the technology transfer office for the University of Nebraska Medical Center and the University of Nebraska at Omaha. My name is Charlie Litton. I'm joined by Joe Rungi. Say hey, Joe. Hey, Charlie. And I'm also joined by Tyler Schur. Say hey, Tyler. Hey, Charlie. Um, Joe, you have a special message? Yeah, please make sure to review the podcast and uh, leave a rating. Also, please make sure to subscribe. We've got a lot of great stories told from all around the country, and we're hoping to tell them as many people as possible. Yes, indeed. Uh, please do. Um, we do want to tell these national stories, um, not just Nebraska, but uh, everywhere, about how universities everywhere change all of our lives and make them better. So please help us get the word out so we can tell more and more of those stories. Um, also, you know, I, it's been a while. Uh, I haven't mentioned this yet, um, but I do need to give a special shout out to uh, Peter Gresser, who is the brilliant musician who created that opening music, which we love, love, love. Right? Am I wrong? It's right. great. It is awesome. Favorite part of the show. And it probably <laughs> is the best part of this show. It just fit perfect with the tone. Consistently. Yes. <laughs> Nothing has been more consistent than, than Peter. So thank you, Pete. Um, also, I want to shout out to uh, UNO, University of Nebraska Omaha, and their awesome KVNO studios here, which we're using. Um, it, um, it makes us sound like we know what we're doing, and we clearly don't. So thank you, KVNO. Um, okay. All right. All that said, um, I do think it's time that, oh, you know what? Also, sorry, um, I do want to give a shout-out to Unimed. Tomorrow, we turn 27. It's the 27th birthday for Unimed. God, Yay. It doesn't look 27. I know, right? Can you believe it? It's like diapers. Day over 25. I'm saying. Okay, so anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's about time we went something. I've been really excited about this one. We're looking forward to it. Um, but I do think we do need to talk about how tech transfer offices pick winners and losers. I think it's, yeah. it's an important topic, right? Guys. So, yeah. No, no we, we do not pick winners and losers, all right? That, that is not something that we engage in. It, it's not something that we are equipped to do. It's, it's not something we, we should do. We don't pick winners and losers in the tech transfer office. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I don't like this joke. Let's stop it. Leave it as it is. We are not talking about winners and losers. Not. Okay. How about this? We do a special episode where we talk about spectacular fails and their cautionary tales. Oh, that rhymes. Ooh. All right. So, all right. We have startups. Uh, we do. That's a part of our part of our business. Sometimes we license things. Sometimes, I don't know. I'm not a licensing guy, but we license them to a startup. We license yeah. them to a startup, right? So we create these we companies. We always license things. And <laughs> I think anybody involved in business or entrepreneurship knows that most. Startup companies fail. So, you know, what is it, you know, when a startup company fails, uh, you know, is, is there it, a lot of failing? Do they actually fail? Do they really fail? What do you mean, do they fail? I mean, well, if they're not existing anymore, they're failures, right? Even if they don't succeed in the traditional sense, you know, making billions of dollars like Facebook, uh, 
you still learn something out of the experience. They can still pivot, right? Oh, I oh, love I... pivots. <laughs> I love that word. We're going to pivot. <laughs> oh, right. I see what you're saying. <laughs> I see what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. Perpetual you, Okay, pivoting. you're right. Maybe failure, failure is probably harsh. I mean, there's something to be gained, I guess, from you learn more in defeat than you do in victory. So... Well, let's talk, okay, let's look at that then. You know, what are some of the things then that that, that we can take away from um, from some of our failures or our lessons, less, not quite successes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to call them. Hurdles. Um, what, Joe? What do we get? What do we get out of a failed startup? Uh, usually, the most valuable thing you get out of a failed startup is an entrepreneur who's failed the startup. Um, you gotta, you gotta sort of the conventional thinking amongst entrepreneurs is you, you gotta blow up a few before you get to the moon. And I think that the only way that startups can be successful, entrepreneurs can launch them successfully, is is having failed a couple of times. And so, you know, one of the things that we can do to enable our mission, in addition to licensing our technologies, is is we can help to foster and create an environment of entrepreneurship. That's something I've been doing for a long time working with community entrepreneurs, with veteran entrepreneurs, how we can sort of package the things that we're trying to move to market as startup opportunities. Yeah, I didn't I didn't anticipate this coming up, but I mean we might give a shout out to where you spend some of your some of your days, some of your hours. Yes, I spent half of them at the uh, Unitech Institute, a translational research institute made possible by the brilliant forethought of the uh, state legislature which uh, gives us a, a modest budget each year. We use that money to either advance translational research projects or we use them to help foster startup companies. And we're not talking about just university stuff either, right? This no, is we run statewide. A, we run a startup incubator. It's open to community entrepreneurs, to university entrepreneurs. We have people that have no uh, relationship to the university other than a, a business relationship. The thing that's really nice, though, is that we can leverage not just the real estate that we offer. We have a, a small property on the edge of campus that is kind of our, our business office, but we uh, rent it out to people seeking space, but we also can collaborate with our faculty. Uh, it's a chance for them to learn more about their products, to do some research, um, all kinds of cool stuff. That is cool. Um, but I, I'm going to back up, though, to that you're talking about getting getting experienced entrepreneurs, and it's really great to have an entrepreneur who's failed a couple of times, right. which sounds a little counterintuitive, but... Can you give me any kind of, I mean, I'm not asking for exact examples of, you know, company A and company B and failure, but, you know, what sort of things, you know, in a tangible way, can you explain what sort of things they gain from failure? So I think one of the, the easy ways in which, not easy, one of the immediate ways in which startups will fail is they just won't be able to raise capital. And so I think that by going and pitching to um, investors and hearing your they, they just learn how to talk to people? No, is that what you're at? I think what they learn is what investors want, and not just investors in general. They learn what are good opportunities for which investors. And you know, the the thing that we really look to now is what are the entrepreneurs that have relationships with investment networks, and how can they help pick opportunities at the university that are right for them, but also right for particular kinds of investors. These are ultimately human-driven projects, and you have to pick things that. Uh, someone who runs a company likes as well as someone who's going to invest in the company will like. Okay. So entrepreneurs, um, yeah, okay. No, that makes sense. You know, somebody running a company fails, you figure they're going to, you would hope anyway, they'd pull something out of that. Right. What about, what about the, what about the inventor? I mean, they're, they're pretty much removed from the process, aren't they? I guess, well, maybe they're the CEO. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe the inventors in some cases are actually personally invested in the, in the startup venture. Yeah. And, 
how well, often do you see the sorry to interrupt, but I mean how often do you see like the inventor is maybe I don't want to say the problem, but maybe a part of the problem or just they're inexperienced with their researchers, right? We can't expect yeah. them to know business. Yeah, so most of the inventors we're working with, yeah, are faculty. And so they're yeah, either researchers or clinicians, not necessarily business savvy. Yeah, so this is a whole new experience for them. So since we're giving shout-outs, I think a really good shout-out now would be to the National Science Foundation. They started a program uh, about a decade ago called the i iCorps is a project okay. that attempts to take faculty members at universities that are inventors and educate them about entrepreneurship. And they do very simple things like figuring out how to test the market to see if your invention is actually a viable product or if it's going to get a big enough market to make it worth your while. Um, the, the goal is really to make faculty more entrepreneurial. And I think that there's a real desire to uh, open up the types of job opportunities available for uh, students who are getting graduate education so they can go start companies and, and advance technologies on their own. Um, but even when our faculty aren't the entrepreneurs that we're working with, they do very often have to interface with the entrepreneurs that we select because those entrepreneurs are representing their work, they're reliant on their data, they're reliant on their intellectual property or the intellectual property they created. So when you're working with a, with a faculty member, you know, the thing is too about, about um, <clears throat> at least our inventors that I've noticed is you have a lot of people who have that kind of one-off idea, invention, discovery, whatever, but it seems like they're mostly clusters. You know, a single person or a group will have multiple ideas and inventions, not necessarily related, so I'm, I'm, it leads into my question then, which is, so if you have this inventor have something kind of fail, it doesn't have to even fail spectacularly as a, as a startup would go or not succeed. Sorry, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so if a startup not succeed, do you, do you notice a difference then in dealing with them with idea number two or three or five or ten? That, yeah. Well, I mean, and Joe probably has much more experience with this. I've only, I haven't been around as long, but... Um, from my limited experience uh, working with uh, even like Dr. Saw, for instance, uh, on his portfolio of inventions, he's much more savvy the second time around. So we that, talk about Dr. Saw enough. We should just have him on. Yeah. We've got an extra microphone <laughs> we, here. We probably should at yeah. some point. <laughs> we, we just put up the Saw signal, and he'll see it, and he'll, he'll show up. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I interrupted. Go ahead, though. Um, yeah. So, you know, so the, the other thing that the way I kind of think about this, too, or that I've just started thinking about it is, you know, our inventors are are already entrepreneurial in some real sense. So like if you're running a, a lab, for example, that is like a small business. Um, and they, they know all oh, the, all, all the rules of that game. So they yeah. know that the uh, currency is publication. Um, and that's you pump out publications. And that's how you continue to get funding and keep your business running. You can grow your business uh, by getting by kind of diversifying your research. But I imagine that doesn't translate into the uh to the uh, public sector where the currency is actual currency. It's actual <laughs> currency. No, it's a little different. Yeah, they, right. they can't take their, their manuscripts or publications and and demand money I mean, <laughs> with them. So I, I have four manuscripts. Can I have a pint of beans, please? <laughs> yeah. That's, that, they're being interesting. Uh, you know, that's a barter great, system. That's a great startup idea. <laughs> Barterly or something, you know. Uh, bartering manuscripts for beans. <laughs> yes. For oats and barley, it's like so, we keep four beans on each transaction. <laughs> oh, I like it. Skip the beans. So, so besides being a funny uh, analogy or, or <laughs> sorry, startup idea. No, so, what? So the, the the point is though that they they already sort of have an entrepreneurial instinct, and you just have to what once. So going through the experience uh, one time, 
um, helps them kind of figure out the rules of this new game of of the startup game. Um, and with that experience, they're they're primed then to be more su successful the second time around. I, I do remember um, talking with the late Sam Sanderson, who started up as a company, Promune, and I remember asking him what he what was different from when he started his company to to where he was today, and he's and he kind of shook his head. He's like, "Boy, I I was he didn't use these words, but he, he was he was like I was an idiot back then because I thought I invented my thing, I started my company. All I need to do now is is wait for the phone to ring. People are just going to be calling me left and right." And he waited and he waited. And he basically said it took him like 10 years to figure out that what he needed was a, the right kind of person, a business person to kind of run the company. Yeah, because it's actually more important than inventing some new thing is identifying a problem. When you're starting a business, right, you Let's identify a problem. It, you need to do both, right? You have well, the best you do. invention in the world. And if you don't identify what is the product, then what are you going to do? Yeah, so you, your invention needs to needs to remedy a problem, and who it's remedying the problem for is your customer. Right, and re figuring out a way to get them. So, and then and then being able to do that sometimes takes some some failure. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. All right. So that sounds pretty useful learning experience. Uh, is there anything else? Is there anything else you can gain from it? Um, so one one but, thing that's really interesting about startups is you meet a lot of people. Um, oh yeah, you know, sure. A startup requires. Networking? A startup is aggregating, right? You aggregate talent. So a lot of times we will form startups around medical devices, and it's largely to attract the people who can build them and get them approved. Okay, yeah. So, so there's a there's a networking part of it. I guess you start to you go to these functions and you you go to the fundraising events and things like that, and you start to press the flesh, as they say, and make yeah, some connections. I think you know fundraising is a really good example that. Ultimately, you know, the currency of startups is, is investment very often. And to understand, you know, who investors want to invest in, what entrepreneurs that they think are, are good bets, to figure out what kinds of opportunities that they want and how much they're willing to invest. I mean, you know, I remember thinking you start out going to venture capital and no, not at all. You have to find your seed investment, your angel investment. I mean, you know, that's a whole little subset of the world right. that would be nice to be agile and being able to move in well, and knowing and who the people are that you're moving with. I think that's the first step. You have to know who they are and, and to be able to have a relationship. You know, mm -hmm. just to call mm -hmm. people out of the blue is very different. I think building those relationships can be invaluable. And, and even if it's a spectacular failure, mm -hmm. you know, the, the cautionary tale is be good to everyone during it because you never know when you're going to need them. And now they know you, right? Are they going to know you as a good person to do business with or right. someone who's, you know, trouble? Okay. I mean, is there so when you're when you're meeting um, when you're running into those people? I mean, how does that work? Do you? I guess so. I'm I'm running into the the idea. Then, if you've if you haven't had that success, then is there a, a sort of a stigma associated with it? No, I, I think it actually can be kind of the opposite. There's a recognition amongst people who invest in startups and work in startups that you know probably isn't going to work and it can often be for things that don't you didn't really plan and, and when you are able to build those relationships keep them positive when the spectacular failure occurs you can start something else new these are people who want to start companies and people you need to know and we had a really good instance right that we had a, a startup company that had brought in a lot of really high-end consultants and they didn't really like the startup experience that ultimately failed but 
they were really interested in working with the university because they felt that you know they'd done right by us or we'd done right by them. And you know we ended up presenting them a, a, a couple of our, our you know our portfolio technologies that you know we thought were actually kind of winners, you know and, and as they looked at them, they thought, you know we technology's a winner. you guys are good, let, let's do it. And we had a really cool you know actually Charlie, I think maybe we should start talking about how we are able to pick winners and losers. I think that would be a really, really interesting topic. <laughs> no, I think it's about time we come to ground, actually. It's uh, thank you for joining us, everyone. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we are actually out of time. Sorry. So Aww. thanks for coming around on me, though. I appreciate it. Uh, but remember, you can learn more about our featured technologies. I don't know what we talked about today, but uh, we'll put some of that in the program notes. I guess we talked a little bit about Unitech and... Um, Unitech. <laughs> I think we cut it off about a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Um, all that uh, all that said, thank you for joining us. For Tyler Schur and Joe Rungi, I'm Charlie Litton saying thank you. And join us again on Unimed's Innovation Overground. <laughs>